and our motto is you know rent water return because that's literally all you have to do is just rent it you water it and then you return it yeah so I'm guessing you guys absolutely hate Christmas (laughs) (laughs) you must absolutely love it but is it a bit weird having to think about Christmas all year round now with this company yeah (laughs) I wish I got a tree Christmas last year was a strange Christmas I think I ate Christmas dinner after the trees had been returned, so maybe around about (laughs) (laughs) mid-January. Hello and welcome to the Age of Plastic podcast with me, your host, just trying to work out if that's actually sustainable or not, Andrea Fox. If you haven't caught up with the last episode, I chatted to the lovely climate activist and anti-racism campaigner, Michaela Loach. She's also studying medicine as well. We had a brilliant chat. And in case you missed it on the socials this week, she's also one of BBC Women's Hour's power list. They're top 30 women all doing great for the planet. Uh, so make sure you go back and check out our conversation when you can. It was really interesting and I just really love chatting to Michaela. Uh, In case you missed it, I did a live with Elisa Sexton from Bulk Beauty, who you will have heard on the podcast before. We talked all about how to have a sustainable Christmas. You can check it out on their Instagram. Just head to the little IG live section and you'll find it there. They're going to be doing loads more lives like that um, in the run up to Christmas and I think we're going to be chatting again in the new year. Um, I really enjoyed doing it though and it made me realise that I've got loads of sort of sustainable Christmas ideas pinging around my head so uh, I'm going to make sure I share those with you before the end of this series as we head towards Christmas but yeah check out the IG live that we did and head to at bolt.beauty on Instagram. I have already mentioned the C word, Christmas. Now, whatever it's going to look like in 2020, probably time to start planning, right? Are you going to have a tree? Today's guests are going to talk us through the how, the why of renting Christmas trees. It's Catherine Lovelace and John Mearns from London Christmas Tree Rental. Cue jingle bells. So let's start at the start then. What exactly is London Christmas Tree Rental? For me, it's definitely uh, another option. You know, we're, we're not saying you must, you must, you must. We're saying... You can have a cut tree, that's fine. You can have an artificial tree, that's fine. Um, You can have any other option you like, perfectly fine. But we just um, came up with this idea, crikey, it must have been nearly three, four years ago, and uh, thought, why do we do Christmas this way? Or why do we do Christmas trees this way? So we just provide another option, really. And to explain the process for anyone, it's not like... Well, you can go to a hub this year, but you can have your tree delivered and it'll come in a pot and all you need to do is make sure you don't kill it <laughs> yeah, before that's, January. Um, that's pretty much the size of it. Yeah, exactly that. So, yep, you can people can visit the website, which is just LondonChristmasTreeRental.com, um, order their trees and, yeah, it arrives. We can either deliver uh, during the first couple of weeks of December and then we'll collect in early January. Um, or like you've just mentioned, people can go to a number of hubs and you know, Catherine's been working hard to identify a number of hubs around London, which when it's sunny in the UK, not many people want to talk about Christmas. So it's actually really tricky. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so people just go online, order the tree they wish, then they choose delivery collection, in which case we'll turn up at their door with the pot, the tree and a saucer. And yeah, all we ask is keep it away from the really hot places the fires and the radiators and um, to water it each day and then give it back to us and then we'll take it back to the farm and uh, it lives on another year. So how and why Catherine did you decide to set up London Christmas Tree Rental? Do you have a lot of land and fir trees? No and I mean it was actually Jonathan's idea so we were walking the streets of London probably as he said about three years ago 
and um and in january i mean it's literally just a christmas tree graveyard on the pavement mm. and you're weaving your way around and he said there must be a way to do christmas differently i mean and you see beautiful beautiful big trees that literally have been cut down for three weeks of our pleasure and it, it just almost feels barbaric in a way just so wasteful and uh, and so he said surely there must be a different way so um so we started to look into it actually and then once we did and realized that there was huge environmental impact as well it was like oh wow because i don't think people realize the environmental impact that cut trees have and we totally do feel like we're not anti-cut trees because we do know that some can be sort of you know disposed of carefully yeah, I mean, I used to live in Brighton and they would say, look, go and take it to this certain spot and we'll use it as wood chipping in children's play parks. But that's still quite a lot. And that's only one, you know, the one green council in the country. London is quite different. There's, you know, millions of us all here. Absolutely. And, you know, it would be fantastic to think that every cut tree is disposed of resourcefully. But the sad fact is that they're not, mm. you know, and seven million a year go into landfill, which is a shocking statistic. Wow. And um, and so one, once we kind of realised the environmental impact, it almost kind of spurred us on to really just try and make this happen. And we kind of piloted it last year, just sort of dipped our toe in and didn't know if anyone would also share our kind of passion to try and do things differently. And we were really delighted that so many people did. And um, yeah. and so we're like, OK, well, let's really try and make this happen. And so this year we, we did expand on the hubs because we know that some people actually like to really pick their tree because they're quite particular about maybe needing it to be in a narrow space or they like a really big fat one. I mean, it's so personal in a way. So we just wanted to kind of offer as well as delivery, which so many people like because of the ease, we just wanted to offer another option as well. So that we, I suppose we were never limiting the customer that might want to have their preference over which tree they have really. Yeah. And let's talk about those trees guys. So why exactly have you got this particular kind of fir tree? There's different varieties out there, and uh, you know the traditional one is more the sort of Nordman, which is a softer, softer uh, needle really. And the, our Norway spruces are a sharper needle, but they survive for longer in the pots. Um, it's just the way the roots grow, and it's um, the way the root ball uh, forms in the, in each pot. So yeah, they're just a bit more sustainable over the longer term. I, I did think last year mine kept spiking me, so I understand now why that was. <laughs> and they are a little bit sharper, more spiky. Yeah. Yes. But you're not going to end up with needles all over the carpet, I imagine, because as you water something, it stays alive, so you don't get needle drop. You know, you get the smell from the Christmas tree. That's You know, it's beautiful, but that's just the tree dying. And yeah, Catherine, you're going to come in. Sorry. Well, no, I was just saying, you know, if, if you really want a tree to to have longevity, the Norway spruce is, is, is the better one. So, you know, you can get different brands or different ranges of tree that are in a pot. But if you really want one that's kind of hopefully going to sort of live and be able to come into people's houses, you know, three, four years on the row, then the Norway spruce is the more um, better choice of um, tree for that to actually happen. So I suppose it's not just about the immediate Christmas, it's about the long game with the Norway spruce and just giving, you know, people the real chance to have a proper sustainable Christmas tree. 
Yeah. So what happens to them when we're done? When we give them back to you in January, whether you, you take them to a hub or whether that you come and collect them, do they go back into the ground in that pot or how does it work? Um, no, they stay in the pot. So basically the trees that um, anybody would get have been grown um, in a pot from a sapling. And it's quite important to highlight that point, actually, because you can get pot grown trees and then you can get potted trees. So potted trees would is where a tree would have grown in the ground and then put into a pot. But a pot grown is where it's actually grown from a sapling in the pot. So basically there's less disturbance because it's just always naturally in that pot. It might be moved carefully to a bigger pot as it grows, but fundamentally it hasn't had the upheaval of, you know, planting down its roots in the ground and then being put into a potted tree. So the trees remain in their pot and for the most part it's a big 35 litre pot so that enables the tree to grow up to sort of six and seven foot usually quite happily and then it goes back into an irrigation system and it's fed lots of nutrients throughout the year and then come Christmas um, it's literally just pulled up out of its irrigation pot and delivered to the customer so um, so in a way it's really sustainable and simple and our kind of sort of motto is you know rent water return because that's literally all, all you have to do is just rent it, you water it, and then you return it. Yeah. So I'm guessing you guys absolutely hate Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> you must absolutely love it. But is it a bit weird having to think about Christmas all year round now with this company? Yeah. <laughs> and also, in fairness, like last year, well, for me personally, I don't know how it was for you, Jonathan. For me personally, because it was our first proper year, you know, like we're a startup. And so there's a lot that goes into being a startup. So last year, I actually didn't end up having a Christmas tree in my house, ironically, just because I hadn't got around to organizing one. And, um, and we have a sister company called Hollyberry Trees, which is these little small tabletop trees that are posted out. And, um, and so I had loads of them in my, in my house, um, which, you know, when we post them, they come with you know, lights and decorations and everything. So I had loads of those, but we didn't actually have, or I personally didn't have any of the big trees. Also because the demand was so high that I kind of felt like we wanted to sort of accommodate as many other customers as we can. So it felt a bit greedy for me to go, nope, I'm reserving that one. Um, and so I just had, yeah, I had loads of the little smaller tabletop trees instead. Amazing. John, did you manage to get a tree last year? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I got a tree. Christmas last year was a strange <laughs> Christmas um, because, yeah, you, you know, we didn't really expect it to, you know, be as such interest to so many people. So last year there was a tsunami of emails just kept coming in. Well, oh, what do we do about these? So it ended up becoming a trying to work out the operation for last year, trying to think forward, trying to sort out a million different things that we never even thought would even come our way, but did. And um, yeah, I think I ate Christmas dinner after the trees had been returned. So maybe around about mid-January. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I was able to just say, ah, and rest. And relax. Yes. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about 2020 because you say you, you had an unusual Christmas last year setting things up. But I suppose Christmas is going to be quite different for everyone this year. I wonder what sort of differences are going to happen with the company, but also how you might think things might be different this year. Are people ordering earlier, for, ex for example? It's a really interesting question. And I think what we're noticing is that we're missing the offices because last year we had so many offices that rented from us 
And so I do think I do think there's an element of people ordering early. But I, I think we personally as a business are really missing or noticing that there's no businesses that have come on board because naturally everyone's working from home. Um, and on that note, with our sister company, Hollyberry Trees, we're getting loads of corporate orders where people are then sending them out to all their staff to kind of say, thank you for working from home. Hasn't it been a nightmare? There's no office party, but you can have this tabletop tree. So I think it is a really different ball game this year in regards to the business ourselves to a degree. But I think in regards to ma mainly like residential homes, I think people just want to have a good Christmas. You know, I think it's been such a tough year that everyone is already thinking of Christmas. I mean, we hadn't even launched our website, had we, John? And then people were like back in late September going, when are they going live? When are they going live? You know, mm. so I really feel like everyone was almost ready to kind of put this year behind them and try and get Christmas done so that it's like, right, next, next year, really. So um, I think it's definitely going to be strange and different and we don't quite know what's going to happen over the next few weeks either. I mean, um, from our point of view, we're still able to deliver at the moment. Um, I suppose there's a small question mark over hubs, um, but I'm hoping that because they're outside that it won't impact too much. But yeah, you know, who could ever have predicted what, what this year was going to hold and what this Christmas was going to be like. And um, I think the air of uncertainty is making people just really cling on to things that hopefully will happen, like hopefully Christmas. This Christmas, let's green the planet. Forget socks and instead give the greatest gift, a magical carbon trapping anti-climate change contraption, a tree. Freedom have spent the past 10 years working with NGOs and farmers in 17 countries, planting indigenous species of trees, creating jobs, as well as focusing on tackling issues from hunger to gender equality. So far, Freedom have planted over 1.4 million trees. That's a lot of carbon offsetting. Over 400 million tonnes, to be exact. Here's Freedom CEO and founder, Frederico Garcia. I'm so proud of what we do every morning. I wake up, I know that I'm going to work for a purpose. Right now, we have seen a, a, an amazing change. More and more consumers, they ask for green product. So it's something from the consumer. They are asking companies to be more sustainable. So if your workplace are planning to send out gifts to clients this year, or if you've got a fussy brother to buy for like me, consider gifting on their behalf with Treedom. From a lemon tree in Kenya to a coffee tree in Guatemala all from as little as 15 euro. You can personalise your gift and get virtual updates on your tree. Join me and green the planet this Christmas with Treedom. Head to treedom.net and use discount code AGEOFPLASTIC20 at the checkout to get 20% off your trees before midnight on December 31st, 2020. Or follow the link in the show notes wherever you are listening. And a massive thank you to Treedom for not only sorting out my Christmas shopping this year, but also sponsoring this series of the Age of Plastic podcast. Yeah, would you go along with that, John? Because I suppose it's still going to happen on December 25th, even if it's not the same as last year. Yeah, um, absolutely. It, it's going to be very different. Um, no one really knows what it's going to be like because no one can really forecast what it's going to be like on the 2nd of December. We've got a lot of trees. Um, we've got a big logistical operation and um, no doubt a few sleepless nights between now and then. And then we eagerly await the next announcements, the next numbers, and uh, we think, right, how do we flex and pivot? We're going to make this happen. 
and we're going to give people their Christmas trees. And we will all just have to, you know, work out um, how we will celebrate Christmas. Um, I'm sort of a bit of a fan of things in life are presented to us for a reason. And, uh, you know, this thing that's happened to us, you know, you sort of can feel that the world was running away with itself. And this is a bit of a stop check and uh, getting us to really appreciate and be grateful for what we really truly have. So uh, I I can annoy people with some sort of air of positivity and pivoting on anything that happens. Um, Occasionally in the year, I think, and then after a few days, I'm thinking, no, no, no. There's a way to make this good. And, and, and that's what we're going to aim to do for all of our customers. Um, yeah, which we, we will we'll love doing. Yeah. So you, you mentioned like the interest and everything. And obviously this year has been, been quite a different year and keeping hold of those positives. And I suppose, do you have kind of any tips to do with Christmas and keeping things sustainable as well as obviously maybe renting your Christmas tree rather than chopping it down? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I'm a bit of a fan of the old traditional... Um, life you know i um i quite like the shopping being bought in brown bags and i sort of quite like the fact (laughs) that presents can be wrapped in brown paper with string there's just something that's just a little bit i don't know that's what i'm doing this year sort of you know because we all see people we all spend lots of money buying this fancy wrapping paper from various shops and then uh, we give it away 30 seconds later it's torn up occasionally uh um, you know, a relative, a mum, maybe will unwrap it and pretend she's going to use it next year and then get bored of it. And then it goes in the <laughs> bin along with everything else. Um, so I'm a, bit, I'm a bit of a fan of that old traditional. I mean, uh, I know my school books are wrapped in brown paper as a kid. And, um, I, you know, I think, I think that just a different sort of sustainable, not quite Victorian, but that sort of Christmas is, uh, um, I don't know, it's a bit different, isn't it? Yeah, maybe everyone just gets a satsuma this year or a lump of coal. Or um, <laughs> what does my sister do? She gives the kids potatoes in case they've been bad. And that's a replacement for a present so, um, or a potato. <laughs> Love that. Yeah, Christmas potato. Uh, what about you, Catherine? Um, so I think more and more people are really becoming aware of the like wasteful element of Christmas. And, and I think... I don't know. I think we're definitely seeing a kind of wave of people sort of going or trying to move away from the sort of decadence and excessiveness and to become a bit more considered with their buying. And, and the, and I totally agree with John where he talks about, um, you know, everything has a flip side. So yes, it's been a really tough year, but I do also think this year it has highlighted just how important small businesses are and to support the small businesses. And so I, I, feel like I know for me personally with my own shopping that I am going to really try and shop small you know you only have to look at the um profits that Amazon have made this year I mean it's yeah an ASOS yeah and you know good for them I get it it's very quick and everything but there are other businesses that can produce um something as equally as lovely uh which might not get you there in the next day but you know three or four days later so i i'm really trying to um be really considered with my christmas approach this year and um and yeah as a fellow startup and and small business i think i think you really get a sort of solidarity with the sort of state of play when you're when you're small and so i will definitely be trying to shop independent this year with all my choices yeah I think that's a brilliant one. Yeah, definitely. And even just uh, Christmas tree decorations. Last year when we had uh, one of your trees, 
Um, I think I did something which I never did as a child, but made gingerbread biscuits with a little jelly sweet that you put in and it melts. And so it's like a little stained glass window. And that was mainly what we had on the tree. (laughs) And then we ate them slightly hard (laughs) uh, when the tree came down in January. So there's there's my top tip. I mean, hopefully you guys might actually get one of your own trees this year, fingers crossed. (laughs) Yeah, but it's really interesting you say that because I do feel like once you take a rented tree into your home and and we name all our trees like Mr Bromley like Miss Islington because we really love the idea of it coming into your home being part of your family and you know you name it you water it you look after it and then it goes back to the farm to live another year and and that's the same with our little small tabletop trees like that you know they're predominantly for children and we encourage the child to name it and it's you know it's their their tree that they don't have to you know decorate or you know give the parents sort of OCD problems with the placement of the baubles and everything so um all the parents who reorganize it once they've gone totally. to bed <laughs> who cares <laughs> totally all that they don't have to worry about that that's their own little tree um but I think once you take a tree into your house as you say I think it lends itself to really being more aware of what you put on your tree and so maybe being a bit more considered with, oh, actually, that sort of, you know, item that's sort of a bit tatty or a bit sort of wasteful, we're just kind of putting it on there. And, you know, it's not about necessarily being holier than now, but I suppose it's just an opportunity to give a bit more thought to things. And so, mm. um, so yeah, I mean, we had some lovely photographs last year that people sent in of their trees and how they decorated it and you know, just the different things that they tried to do that were also a bit more sustainable, a bit more considered um, with with the way they decorated it. So, um, yeah, it was really lovely, lovely to see, sort of get to receive those photos. Amazing, amazing. I hope to see lots of uh, decorated ones this year as well. And another, touch on another little bit of sustainability, the netting that the trees come in, you recommend people to reuse it, to put, put back on the tree, to give back. But that is biodegradable, isn't it, John? Yeah, absolutely. We, we're trying to just move towards that uh, as many options as we can. You know, we're not, like Catherine's just said, actually, we're not perfect. Uh, we never proclaim to be perfect, but uh, we feel we're making. Who it, can be? Well, yeah, we're trying to make the, um, you know, the best the best steps um, that we can. So yeah, the biodegradable netting is one where yeah, it goes on the trees. We ask customers to keep it, not cut it off, and then they can just reuse it again. You know, you just pull it on from the bottom. It's it, it should be quite straightforward for two people, but it's doable by one which is also good. And I, and I think our netting this year, we did a bit more research on it and, you know, we're looking for the netting that is biodegradable. So mm. you know, eventually it has to finish its life, doesn't it? So yeah, we want something that when it does uh, break down, it breaks down without contaminating. Yeah. It's, it's just, I just think it's a really nice, like you say, it's an option and it's like thinking about all those little things that you can do. And like Catherine was saying, when you have like a sustainable tree, in the middle of the house in the middle of the living room it kind of makes you think about every single aspect of your christmas to be that little bit more sustainable doesn't it from the wrapping from the presents from what you might be eating mm. all that kind of stuff yeah absolutely and and yeah it's all these little things that uh, that all help ultimately isn't it it's just the, you yeah. know one small step at a time we're not going to suddenly change the world the planet the um the effects of climate change but if we all did a little then that always amounts to a lot 
Yeah, completely. That, that's a lovely message. And we're called the Age of Plastic Podcast because we're not, we're not called the We Hate Plastic Podcast. It's, um, it's a brilliant material. We're just using it in the incorrect way. So we always ask our guests mm. um, two important questions. And the first one is, is there any plastic item in your life that you give thanks for and praise? You absolutely could not imagine your life without it. A lot of people mention their phones. <laughs> yeah. Um, shall I go first? Um, mine, go for it, John. Mine is my bank card. Oh, yes. There is a card, I think, actually, which is biodegradable. I think it might be Tridos Bank. So I've got... A I would worry mask. about putting that through the washing machine. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's one. true. So um, most... Yeah, I've got bank cards that are plastic, um, but I've now got one bank which has given me a metal card. So... Uh, I sort of feel that that's a bit better. Um, I probably should delve into it a bit more detail, but that's not plastic. Um, yes, because so... I always wonder what we can do with them at the end. Do I cut, cut it up and give it back to the bank? And then what do they do with it? Yeah. I have no idea. So, yeah, I'd have to go with my bank card. As... That is very good. Nice to know you haven't got Apple Pay. I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Catherine, what about you? Your uh, non-single use but much-loved plastic item, please. Yeah, so for all my... Can I have one and a half thing? <laughs> yeah that's the first one and a half i think we've had on the podcast my one and a half would for all my shame it would be my iphone charger because sadly i uh i use my phone a lot you know I, i'm the one that does the social media so i've got my instagram mm. accounts and all that so sadly um it's a necessary evil in my life and then my half would be my um my dog food um, because the the, um, the packaging that it comes in, sadly, is not recyclable. And I'm pretty sure the top of it um, has all sorts of um, plastic components. But I have tried to move my dog off it. Um, <laughs> I seriously Fussy have. Dog. I seriously have tried to move him off it to get a um, dog brand that has a recyclable packaging. But sadly, it just gives him an upset stomach. So my oh, one and a half yeah. non-single use um, things would be um, yeah my phone charger and the uh, the dog food packaging so yeah. um, you can't be giving the dog IBS can you? <laughs> yeah, it's not very fair <laughs> there's enough going on this time of year without you having an upset dog you know quite, quite frankly <laughs> and the final question as well to you both your environmental hero please easy I think we got the same maybe yeah we I just um texted John before before this and sort of said who's your environmental hero and I was like, okay, so, so you do the honours, John. So there is only one, and that is because he's dedicated his life to like climate change and informing the world, just about how fragile the world is. So um, if this was the Oscars, I'd be opening the envelope and the drum roll would come in and we'd have to announce that David Attenborough is the yes. environmental hero. You know, he, he launched an Instagram account and what did he get? A million followers within five hours and then he's got 6.1 million followers now i mean that guy is amazing and uh mm. and he's still going and he, you know he released something recently about the five things that we really really need to be considering you know about using renewable fuels about restoring the uh, wildlife in the oceans improving our diet is one that we could do halting deforestation and then replanting native trees and he gives an example of Costa Rica at the end where they'd lost three quarters of their trees and then um, down so they literally had hardly any so government initiatives 25 years ago has meant that they've got half of Costa Rica is now back covered with trees that's pretty impressive and so I think he's got some great messages I think he's got um, a lifetime's work so um, 
Yeah, he's a front runner. He's out in front and I don't think there's going to be anyone who will uh, take that crown. Yeah, I mean, he's, he has done so much. It'd be interesting to see. I'd really love to see him pass on his Instagram account now that he sort of said, look, obviously it's me and lots of people working on it. And I think he said literally over the weekend that he was going to end it. But I'm like, well, pass that on because there's loads of amazing activists out there now. He's He's definitely done his part, hasn't he? Like, pass on that message because there's you know like you say six million people engaged in what he's had to say all this time so yeah it'll be interesting to see what he does with that and I I love that fact I I hadn't I couldn't remember that Costa Rica fact I think I did read one the other day that um, an area the size of the UK has been destroyed this year already in Brazil in terms Mm. of trees so yeah this is you all everyone can do their own little bit and that is where London Tree Rental comes in so thank you so much both of you for chatting to me today thank you very much for your time thank you for inviting us on yeah thank you it's been thank lovely you very to much. talk Christmas John yeah it's been lovely thank you to both of you and I should also say Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year <laughs> yeah Merry Christmas Happy New Year it's nice to think about something festive I think I have ordered my tree with them Probably going to be wrapping my gifts in brown paper and string and baking decorations again as well. Find out more online at londonchristmastreerental.com and typically, I think they've literally just sold out. They do get cancellations though, so if you have missed out, you can join their email list and find out all about them. Info at londonchristmastreerental.com and hollyberrytrees.com. They've still got loads of stock, so make sure you head there if you fancy doing some gifting. Um, And now congrats to, I believe, it's Mitzi Janelle who's been working to urge uh, David Attenborough to pass the mic to other activists and use this platform, especially to pass the mic to black and indigenous activists. I have left their Instagram handle in the show notes if you want to follow them and find out more. Okay, on to today's Eco Life Hack. And before you say, but Andrea, I don't live in London. Yeah, I know. Sorry about that. I have compiled a list in the past before of rental Christmas tree places up and down the country. This year, I have shamelessly discovered that fabulous former podcast guest Lizzie Carr, our new mum, congratulations, has already done that. So I've linked to that link on her blog in today's show notes. Next week on the podcast, find out how you can have a sustainable and green trip to the hairdressers with Fry Taylor from Green Salon Collective. Until then, keep well, wear a mask and whack up the Mariah Carey. 